I like the fact that these guys were willing to do the heavy lifting. Literally lifting stones. <laughs> right? When I was in commercial functions, I found it very difficult for us to execute projects outside our comfort zone. So I'm back and I'm thrilled to be here uh, in this journey of conversations we have been having uh, with uh, a lot of uh, founders who have been building marketplaces B2C and B2B and uh, in that series today we have Shovik uh, who's the co-founder of infra.market thank you and Prashant Prakash a veteran investor and a backer of uh, many seed to scale ideas so it's uh, fascinating to be sitting here Prashant pleasure pankaj <laughs> to do this with you Good. we go back decades and uh, yes it's 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 extra thank you nice to do it with you thank you prashant thank you uh, you know I, i'll be honest it's been such a contrasting journey of conversations over past few weeks uh, with b2b founders uh, i i have entered the conversations thinking these are the three things but as you peel uh, things start getting more interesting but uh, to kick this off shobik uh, why don't we start from the start Uh, give us a sense of why, uh, and then we can go deeper into zero to one. Uh, why? So I was working in the construction sector. So when I passed out, I did my chartered accountancy from Mumbai in uh, 2009, and I passed out then. And I was working across construction firms um, from 2009 to 2014, 15. I worked there. One of the key aspects that I always we always struggled with was that. apart from a couple of product categories when you bought when you which you buy for constructions the industry at least the supply chains are very very broken so if you have to procure material any part of india you have to source it very locally because logistics cost is a very high cost and and it's not a uniform way of procurement uniform way of logistics across india and uh, construction companies face a unique challenge uh, so look think of as a manufacturing organization if you're running a manufacturing company in any part of india and you want to scale up even though if you are buying from micro small manufacturers you can still scale it up because you are operating in a one particular geography construction companies don't have that luxury today you could be building a road in bombay tomorrow you could be working in pune so you are always working 50 100 kilometers away and you are and um, if you are working pan india then you will have to deal with pan india supply chain issues as even as a small medium sized firm because you are not going to get work at a single location So when we, as a construction company, where I was working for a mid-sized construction company, what we realized is that the moment we moved out of our comfort zone, where we had two to three projects, the dynamics changed. Because so suppose you are working in a city like Delhi, you have green uh, NGT tax, you can't mine in that city, you can't mine in that union territory, you have to get your materials from Haryana or Rajasthan. Same doesn't happen in Mumbai or Maharashtra. in gujarat because of his coastline you can get it easier so i think the unique sort of peculiarities of supply chain sort of made it very very difficult for firms construction firms to actually scale up and actually go wide geographically in india i think and that is very very visible when you look at the large construction companies of india except a couple if you look at the largest players if you look at you know when you look at an lnt or who are very pan india national all the other firms are regional players they are regional they are very large in a particular state in a particular region and they find it very difficult to scale up beyond that so right i think i think that is one of the problems we faced when we were a mid size construction company uh, so when i sort of wanted to 
when i was in commercial functions i found it very difficult for us to execute projects outside our comfort zones and that's when i think it sort of triggered in me that this is not the way it happens globally okay if you look at if you go to a europe you have the markets very well organized where there's actually a uniformity in how you procure materials which is very unique in india and one of the unique factors of india is that none of the companies who do building materials do it across the building materials construction metal sectors they are all product specific companies there is no one who is actually giving you that you can buy five to six product categories from me all the large players are single product companies and are solving for single product challenges and not only the supply side challenges supply side all of the supply side challenges the supply side is broken the demand side for a small manufacturer when they are competing with the large players is extremely broken because when you want to reach out to the consumer you actually need multiple ch distribution ch players to actually reach out to the final consumer think of yourself if you are if you are painting your house and you need a bucket of paint you have multiple brand options and you go to your shop but that shop is not getting serviced by the manufacturer he is getting serviced by a stockist who is getting serviced by a wholesaler who is getting serviced by a manufacturer that's okay for large brands they can spend on distribution getting their product in that store but think of a small manufacturer in bangalore okay in or small manufacturer any part of karnataka who wants to reach you who wants to supply paint to you for you to paint your house he's competing with the large brands how is he going to build this channel out how is he you know how is he going to ensure that his manufacturing capacity is at par with the large players he keeps churning out product and typically what happens is that they are constrained to a particular radius where they supply particular customers that they keep supplying year on year i think it's a both side problem supply and demand side problem and that sort of intrigued me to this and uh, so when i when i wanted to start something new intuitively because i worked in the industry and i saw the problems it sort of that sort of came to me and that's how i got started in this industry actually wow so yeah no i'll just uh, say that you know it's uh, his co-founder yeah, aditya aditya yeah uh, he also had uh, some experience it mm -hmm. was very rare that we found two founders mm -hmm. uh, going after a space where both of them had from in different ways and of course yeah. they they knew each other from many years i think from yeah we've known each other for 20 years 20 years wow yeah. yeah they know each other from 20 years but independently both had experience yeah. the same industry oh so aditya's <laughs> background is primarily entrepreneurial uh, he passed out from college he was started doing distribution for tata steel started doing distribution for a lot of steel companies oh. and uh, his experience was primarily on the supply chain side mm -hmm. my experience was more from procurement side i was commercial heading products <laughs> Is this something you cooked? No, it's, 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 I guess <laughs> yeah, it just happened. Yeah, yeah. So when I when I wanted to sort of quit, my Aditya was obviously to, uh, doing his own ven uh, entrepreneurial ventures. So when I wanted to quit, uh, it when I, we know each other for twenty years, we live in the same place, so we've been friends for a long time since college. So I thought, you know, construct solving for construction material seemed the most sort of it seemed the lowest hanging fruit for us at that time. Okay, this is something we both understand. and we both think there's a problem and, uh, and that's how i think that no, but there's an interesting twist to the story yes. what is the material they picked initially and they came and pitched to us <laughs> what was that aggregates and sand it was i mean it's i mean for, for us it, i mean this is as hard as it can get right uh, from the cloud to the quarry right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a good one uh, so so you know um, uh, you know dealing with the mines where the quarries the stone quarries and aggregating that and uh, but it was it was a very clear uh, use case mm -hmm. because 
where you get these uh, stones and mines are very local. Yes. Right. And it will not work for them from a cost perspective if they had to get stone from Rajasthan and try to construct roads in Bangalore. Right. So they have to make it work with whatever local yeah. local stuff. And similarly for sand. Right. And, and all fragmented, all fragmented, no quality. Right. And no predictability in terms of supply. Right. They will tell you it will come tomorrow. It will come next week. And if you're a new if you're a new company and you want you say you're working out of Karnataka and you have to get a new project in Rajasthan, you there is no national level supplier you can call up and say I need you know I need stones and sand in Rajasthan. You have to go there and source locally, and that was what we wanted to bridge. We want to say okay there is can be a national level brand for these fragmented products. So that's what we came to. Not everyone so when we started pitching and we started with quarries, it wasn't a very <laughs> yeah. But but I like the fact that these guys were willing to do the heavy lifting. So they were literally not afraid, so. <laughs> literally, literally, right? Literally lifting stone, right? So, so you can't get heavier than that. So, so that, but that also said, uh, spoke to their, uh, you know, one uh, that they wanted to start as, I mean, go as back in the supply chain as possible to the, literally the source, and um, you know that gave us a lot of confidence that you know what these guys not only understand the industry but they're willing to uh, you know be so so to speak in the trenches and in the quarry and <laughs> make it work so let's now go deeper in the 0 to 1 or yeah. 0 to 5 or whatever you want to pick the the earliest yeah, yeah. stage uh, and talk about some of these uh, learnings there things that work things that didn't work hmm. even the so called proverbial pmf yeah, and, and <laughs> also you know why uh, what what was the reason for picking uh, this raw material right yeah so when you could have picked uh, Day one, you could have picked, let's say, tiles or you yeah. could have picked, uh, you know, something else. So, I think the yeah. worst product we started was the one which had the most local supply chain, first of all. So, if I pick a tiles, uh, there it can go interstate. Mm -hmm. Maybe not entire country, but it can travel interstate. Steel also can travel, cement can travel 200 kilometers. So, there are particular radius. Aggregate and sand becomes economically unviable after 50 kilometers. That was the first touch point, right? So we were solving a problem where we knew that every time a, a customer wanted a product from 50 kilometers away from his existing project, he would have to go to a new supplier. You studied all this? We understood all this because we are part of the industry, right? We understood yeah. that it gets unviable after a certain point of time. So, and logistic cost can go as high as 75% of the product cost. So if you are working in Delhi, mm. you're buying aggregate, say, at 200 rupees a ton in Rajasthan, you're getting it at 1500 rupees a ton, you're spending 1300 rupees on logistics. So logistic cost is a very large component if you keep going away far, further and further away from, from where, you're, where you want to work. Second was, we saw that in which product category, there were no brands. Hmm. There was no one you could call up. You had someone in tiles, you had someone in paint. Hmm. So, but if you, if you look at volume by volume and rupee by rupee, what you need to, if you want to construct a road, 40% of what you want to construct a volume by volume is aggregate and sand. You need to do fillings, you need to you need to mix it in concrete cement for concrete. You need to mix it in bitumen if you want to do asphalting layer. And there was no brand you could call, but and there were brands globally. So if you went to global to Europe and you went to you went to the Middle East, there were large brands who had solved this problem. In India, it not got solved. So I think that the multiple use cases where we wanted to sort of focus on aggregate and sand. So, so Shovek, uh, uh, but really you found your fit in concrete, right? Yes, we found our fit in concrete. Uh, so how hmm. did you go from the sand and this thing to really yeah. So we started with aggregate and sand where we went to crushers and we started leasing out capacity. We said, 
we will buy 20% of your capacity. What we realized was none of the crushers, which are basically, which are manufacturing these aggregates in sand, are actually utilized 100% of the time. They utilize 60-70% of the time. And what we also realized, there's a way to solve this problem. What traditional players had done, <laughs> putting up manufacturing units, was actually not the right way. Because if I put up manufacturing units, I am going to have the same problems existing players have. Yeah. Because if a project tomorrow moves away from me, then whom do I supply to? Right? Because the project will move away. Some new project will come out 20 kilometers away. So what we instead said is, there are so many plants across India. Let's buy out 10 to 20% capacity across all of them. So now we have a manufacturing capacity that parallels any of the largest players, but it's not concentrated in a single area. So I buy 10% in 20% of 10 crushers in Bangalore. I have in Bangalore, I'll have in Hubli. I'll spread it out. So I'll be quick, closer to the customer. And my fixed costs are not located in one area where I need to spend a lot on logistics. And none of them felt threatened by you because they were smaller. Uh, no, they were smaller. More importantly for them, think of it that they are already doing 70-80% in that market. Okay. What they were not being able to do and utilize that capacity, we wanted to bridge that. We said we will buy out 20%. Oh, nice. Okay. Right? So we said we buy out 20%, you continue with the 80%. What we realized is that obviously that aggregates were being used primarily for roads, bridges, but they're also being used in concrete plants. Mm. Concrete, where they were being used to manufacture as a raw material for concrete and concrete was then getting sold. And what we realized in concrete is, although there are a couple of large brands, first of all, it's a sunrise sector. India has a unique problem in concrete. India sells 90% of its cement as dry cement and only 10% as wet concrete. The globally, it's the other way around. Globally, 90% gets sold as wet concrete, only 10% gets sold as dry cement. So we knew that this market had to go up. India will reach global standards. Right. What we also realized is that what is true for aggregates that you can't transport beyond 50 kilometers. Concrete is only 15 kilometers because it's a perishable commodity. Oh, yes. <laughs> so it's a three hour maximum. And there were no large brands. There were a couple of large brands who were mainly cement players. So we decided that in since we have aggregates sorted, where which are our key raw materials for concrete, we could supply to concrete manufacturing plants, buy out their capacity from them and start supplying concrete. So first of all, we were we were getting concrete manufactured and the key raw material which was required in that was also being manufactured by us. So we were actually grabbing margins across value chains, right? So we wanted to start, we started doing concrete. Today we are India's second largest concrete manufacturer. Wow. We are larger than many cement players who manufacture concrete today in India. And we have no fixed capacity of our own. We are again buying out capacity from multiple players. We work with today 400 manufacturers in concrete alone. Oh, so that has scaled. That has scaled. Where today we are the second largest manufacturer nationally. Okay, um, under under our brand, we today we supply more than major 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 cement players in India. Prashant, what happened? Like he's just done a shortcut. So so no, the the of course um, the the fact that they moved from uh, uh, just aggregates to concrete happened after we started. Yeah, stuff, after right. So so, so that uh, after we had done our. In fact, we set up C. Karnataka after we start, after Axel put in their first check. Yeah. we were only a Mumbai-based company then. We were, when we started in 2016, oh, okay. uh, 2016 when we and Aditya started, I, we were actually, first of all, there was no concept of B2B commerce marketplaces. And we didn't understand a lot of it. So, 16 to 18, 19, we were bootstrapped. Okay. And we typically operated in a one particular city. We were, we were solving supply chain issues there. We we're doing aggregates. We we're drawn beyond Mumbai, but only in aggregates. And then we realized that we have to eventually grab the value chain. We were, we were building the use case for concrete. Sure. And then we met Prashant, we met, I think at that time, Kanishk and Axel. Yeah, Kanishk uh, was uh, um, an analyst and working oh. with me. 
uh, first spoke to them. Yes. Oh, wow. A lot of credit to Kanish to yeah. spot the same. So what happened there? Like how did this, yeah. uh, the gears got shifted? No, no, this gears, yeah. So, so I think what uh, they always had in mind is that this has to be a highly profitable business. So oh. that day one was another, diff I mean, uh, very different mindset. And it's not that like today, where you had those, where everyone's focusing on profitability. I don't think that focus no, no, was. Yeah. Yeah. That focus but, but this was, this was which, which year was this? 2019. 19. It was, uh, wow. 2019, right? 2019 was as uh, heady uh, in terms of GMV and uh, getting bigger and bigger in terms of top yeah. line, right? But these guys were refreshingly different. So they said, no, day one, I mean, they were already profitable. When they met you. When, when they met me, right? Yeah. And they wanted to remain that way. But they wanted to construct. See, it's, it's one thing to say that, you know, I'll go deep into the supply chain. But the understanding mm. that, you know, margins are going to happen by kind of methodically stri stitching together all these aspects. And the sum of that is what is going to make them profitable was something I guess they evolved, right? So, so I'll, I'll give you an example. Like, I think the, our ability to stitch supply chains. So... We manufacture aggregates. We manufacture construction chemicals at plants. Okay, we have construction chemical plants who manufacture chemicals for us, which we supply to all the large infra projects in India. So each oh. of these are independent companies in today's world. Yeah, they are all mini. They yeah. sound like mini companies. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, no, no, they are. They are. They are big. Basically, companies. and in fact, one of those big concrete companies they ended up buying. Yeah, that's a different story. <laughs> but uh, yeah. you know, so so each of these are different brands. So for example, we supply waterproofing chemicals to if you are if you are building a bridge where you need anti-corrosive chemicals for your steel, we do that. Then those com com chemical companies also supply raw material where we get our paint manufactured, which we supply to stores. So the wow. backward integration we've been able to do. So for example, think if I am building a concrete block. For that, if I need chemicals, aggregate concrete, all three back the back end, I'm also supplying independently to my customers. So I actually have backward integrated to majority of the raw materials. Mm -hmm. We run our own paint brand. We bought out a strategic stake in a company called Shalima Paints, which is listed. Yes. One of the old ones. Yes. So wow. now their raw materials, we get it manufactured at our own chemical plants, which are actually very earlier used to only supply to external parties. We actually have backward integrated supply there. All the concrete manufacturers we work with, their chemicals are manufactured in their plants. So our ability to stitch that entire end-to-end -end actually is the only way we can actually generate margins in this business because that is where the margin profile will start coming up. So is that the core thing that you follow? Because one of the things that occurred, Prashant, yeah. is you are doing so many things. How do you decide what to correct, do and what correct. to leave out? So there is, there is a, a relationship and kind of a method to this. Method right? to the madness. Method, method to the, otherwise it looks like... <laughs> because uh, now it sounds you know, madness. Yeah, right. So, so it's, like you said, if there is a block of concrete and that had all these elements, mm -hmm. right? They have then, you know, methodically put together those elements. And build supply mm -hmm. chain for each of those elements. Where each of those elements, we are commercially viable for us to supply to external parties. And then we use it internally to build another product, which then we supply. So we actually, our profit pool then starts increasing as we go further and further down the value chain and backward integrate. For example, we've built a channel today, which can sell multiple products. Okay, I sell to retail hardware stores. I sell to B2B players. When I sell them multiple products from tiles to paints, my ability to push products in the channels, I my ability to spend in the channel is much more than a single product company. So this is uh, this is now kind of a little bit. Uh, we, are, we, are, we are going to yeah. the, the, the distribution side, <laughs> but but just to kind of end the supply, supply. chain yeah. part of the story, I think uh, the the takeaways, at least for me yeah. from this, was that you can actually build almost like a virtual brand of 
house of brands yeah right without actually i mean they of course bought some of those yeah. but you virtually build these brands and these brands have synergies see that's the important part mm. these are not just discrete brands mm. right and they are vertically backward integrated to the source and there are relationships between those brands that you also leverage in terms of raw material wow. so it's a combination of these that wow. let me yeah. give you the margins right yeah so if I, like i said so you basically go into every product category and backward integrate as far as possible and you find common raw materials which you sort of leverage on which will be your profit for simple thing i i do i sell paint i sell construction chemicals and i sell anti and yeah. I, i sell steel the anti corrosive coating that goes in steel also gets manufactured at my chemical plant the raw material mm. for paint also gets manufactured so you backward integrate to the level where you start increasing the capacity utilization of your plants and that is where the synergy benefits come in on the supply side there is so much of control yeah <laughs> yeah i could control yeah. and also while you're doing all this you're doing it in a very distributed manner right so so it's a challenge in terms of uh, how they you know i uh, manage it and i don't know if there is technology and other things that <laughs> or, you have to build or people i don't i mean technology and people that you have to build so for example we are the only company in concrete today where 100% of all the supplies are digitized every concrete plant we work with today where we have only 10% 15% capacity we are able to track what raw materials they use what is the mix design they have followed for example if we have given an order where they are supposed to put in 400 kg of cement in a concrete plant mm-hmm. and if they put in 390 we have the option to accept or reject it and we get that visibility on a real time basis that sort of depth in technology that has been built allows us to quasi virtually own the plants even if we don't physically own the plants we virtually have control on what everything that happens at the plant level so i think technology impact of technology in this sector on the supply side is enormous because think of you are working with instead of owning a plant and putting up x amount of dollars in setting up a unit you have saved that all that money and you have gone and said i will now set up 20 units which will manufacture for me and not only am i saving money i am making i am distributing it so well that if tomorrow there is an order in ba- bangalore i have a, i have 12 plants in bangalore to service it but if there is an order in mangalore i have plants in mangalore also i don't need to shift it from bangalore so the logistic cost becomes so much cheaper you know it's it's makes it so much more viable for you to actually supply those products so shobek shifting now on the distribution front yeah. which we just alluded to um was it because you were creating brands and you thought these brands ultimately have to become i mean to become brands hmm. you need to reach consumers uh, and create multiple other channels what was the thinking behind then setting up your or the the b2b to c strategy yes. so when we started we started with b2b so when when i mean when axel came on that retail was b2b to c was not what we were looking at but what we realized is that if we want to eventually start becoming non dependent on our manufacturing where we eventually said the manufacturers are contract manufacturers but we are building the brand on top if we want to create a moat how do you stop tomorrow someone from coming in and doing exactly that yes right you need to create something where your customer refers to you and not the not the manufacturer who is manufacturing the product right okay. yeah so he you need to own the customer and not the manufacturer part of it is service but part of it also has to be your brand right and how do you create a brand without going b2b to c because if you look at these b2b brands industrial brands they are large brands in b2b but they are the entire brand recalls happens from b2b to c exactly right so if you think of a large cement player they do a lot of b2c advertisement yes. not because they sell to b2c 
you are not the consumer right no, you, you will you say yes actually yeah you are not the consumer but they want to influence a b2b guy into thinking their brand is large and hence they do b2c advertisements wow. right okay so i think that is where we wanted to focus we wanted to build b2c and what we realize is there are a lot of small manufacturers in india who are not able to go b2b2c they can only do b2b because spending in b2b2c channel is actually very very expensive and if you think of a small paint manufacturer in bangalore or a small tile manufacturer how will he sell in in that channel how will he be so, because for him he's going to compete with the large players who are spending a lot of dollars on the channel yes right and so he will sell in that small radius that he is used to we decided we can spend on the channel because we have a fixed b2b2 demand we have a supply side fixed now we need to start building a brand build that channel which will help us reach the final consumer Mm. and we have now we have sort of we have built that channel where we can enable a small manufacturer to come and say i am going to manufacture you manufacture under my brand i'll i'll ensure you have 100% utilization of the capacity oh, wow. okay so that's how we started out yeah okay. the scale and quality uh thinking that mm. they got from b2b right okay. gave, gave them a lot of leverage day one on the b2 b2 b2c that's an important point right? here it's really important uh. you can't go to b2c and uh, start out first of all aggregating everything <laughs> from different places is not uh, is, is not going to be possible because you won't have demand for it right uh, so you will not see you it's it's easier to plug in a b2b to c strategy to a b2b a, a scaled b2b business is what our learning is yeah so i think even for us when we initially were thinking of starting b2c it was very complex and we focused on b2b because that would give you economies of scale that will give you enough that you can go to a manufacturer and say i'll buy you 20% 20% of your capacity you can't do that if you're selling b2c so you get price leverage yes and then you can use that to build the channel on b2c so i think one of the unique thing that we realized is that b2b companies going b2b for us it was very it was sort of at one point of time we realized that once now that we built a b2b it's much easier going b2c than had we started directly going that way. directly going b2c would have been cash guzzling exercise for us at least someday yeah. <laughs> we should get a b2c founder it would be such contrasting conversation no, no, and i want yeah. to hold back my opinion here right no but but, but i think uh, uh, it's it's not easy though right so mm-hmm. now this company uh, from because of the early dna and what they have done well they have done very well on the b2b part mm-hmm. now in this b2 b2c journey it's a new learning so it's, yeah. it it is going to be Uh, uh you know they'll encounter i mean dealing with uh, retail dealing with retail, consumers uh, uh yeah dealing with consumers servicing consumers is very different from servicing uh, uh, businesses so it in a sense it's a complex uh, it's a complex thing they have taken up and uh, it's it will be really two companies yeah. right uh, <laughs> and uh, they'll have to figure how to build synergies but at the same time have best in class yeah uh, capabilities for both so that makes me ask uh, another question we are discussing everything through the uh, lens of b2b b2c uh, in fact through the franchisee model what does it mean for org structures and what does it mean for create you know building teams uh, now the mindsets are going to be completely different so i think in b2b at least one of the key learnings for us was we've always been more biased towards creating people from the industry because for us supply chain was more critical yes right and supply chain we felt also these are not difficult these are not easy industries to work in so if you get someone who's not from this industry and you have you want to build supply chain where you have to go and source from mines and quarries across india sometimes it's difficult 
there are people who will make that jump from one industry to another but it's it's not an interesting industry for me to go and grab someone who's a first principle thinker and come and say come and build me supply chain of mining you know it's not doesn't attract it's not it's not attractive to a young guy right but now that we and i think though initial years when we built b2b supply b2b the entire model we focused more on experienced people who had done it who had been there done that built brands for us to focus on supply chain our model was different we were not going to put up manufacturing but the th- but the th- it was the same right you had to ensure quality you had to ensure supply chain you had to ensure logistics efficiency so we b- bought people in who had actually built these for single product companies have that experience and we had to ensure that they now built it horizontally so that it could fit into multiple products mm-hmm. as we build b2b2c what we realize is that no one first of all our b2b2c is a little different because we are not eventually going to the consumer we are going to an architect or we are going to an interior designer yeah so it's a little different right mm-hmm. so it hasn't have the a lot of the intricacies maybe of a pure b2c also, where also the brand part right yeah. this b2b brands are very different yes yeah. a kajaria is a very yeah, different kind of, that is very different right the way so, yeah. you build it so so you, i think they also found a challenge in finding the right kind of brand and marketing person yeah that would fit their stuff and so, now they have the problem uh, because it's two kinds of brand yeah <laughs> so in b2c i think what we realize is that none of the industry people uh, when you are building a distribution channel none of the industry experienced people would like to build it for single product and that is completely so uh, they found it difficult to build horizontal distribution channel because they have not come from those people. so i think over there what we have realized is hiring people from who are who are not from the industry hiring people from fmcg background hiring oh, yes. someone from a who's actually very very comfortable building for multi product supply distribution channels actually brought us a lot of you know inside there and that's the way we've gone over on the retail side because over there i need someone who is product agnostic because supply chain is the same for b2b and retail oh yeah so supply chain guys need to be product very product specific technical guys but on the distribution channel on the retail front we are focusing more on people who are product agnostic and who actually don't come from any product baggage in terms of role yeah uh, what is the most important role you hired for or any any miss hiring in that sense and in that work i think one of the i think the critical roles that we hired for and where maybe we also struggled is eventually the supply chain side right so because you have to get people who actually understand build supply chain because that is the key, most critical part of your piece because you are essentially go, you cannot go b2b to c you know and eventually struggle with supply chain b2b it's still a problem you can solve it's a question of cost right you can get your product from another city supply to him b2b to c once you lose the reputation with the final consumer mm-hmm. you you're done right so i think i think the critical piece that we had to solve for was supply chain today the critical piece that we struggled with for some time was marketing because we had to build we had to get someone who was un, who had to understand that this had to be a horizontal play yeah. but now i think we've got someone who's sort of you know working on it and who's sort of been you know who's been able to sort of grab that but yeah. the critical piece that we did struggle was marketing because essentially think of because this brand has not got built so you don't have a brand today which does tiles paints yeah. and also concrete yeah. how do you differentiate how do you ensure that the the pure you know how do you ensure someone as a consumer who's walking into a shop is okay buying tiles and paint of the same brand mm. how do you position your brand i think those are things that we really struggled with initially luckily for us 
B2B2C was a very small component, so we could keep iterating yeah. on that. And our main bread and butter obviously came from B2B, it funded that part of the business. But today, I think we've sort of almost close to the solution there where we'll sort of launch our new, uh, launch our brands across the B2B2C space. And I think that is something that we struggled with for almost a year. Like last one year, we've been discussing it where that part of the puzzle hasn't been, hasn't been solved. So, so Shavik, uh, yeah. no, the other area that, uh, you know, Shavik himself uh, is always steeped in yeah. finances and things. He's not yeah. credit, he's not talking about that. But I think this business does uh, require uh, really a lot of uh, uh, diligent uh, credit and risk and cash management. So at what right? point in time you hire a risk team, for example? Yeah. So we hired very early. We hired a safe risk officer very early in our journey. Uh, we hired a... Uh, we hired risk team very very quickly because at the end of the day you're doing B2B. The risk team was more critical for B2B than for retail. How really. early, Shavik? Because this is something that people will learn from. I think we would, I would say a year after we got, for like 19, we got, in 2020, we had a risk guy in place. Yeah, I think it, it's it's probably as important as getting your first, uh, uh, in a B2C company, your first uh, UX or product, yeah. product person, oh, wow. right? Okay. That early. Because I mean, this is part of really the, the foundation that you have to in place. So. Because also what you have to realize is that most companies which are in this sector are single product companies are hence have a limited exposure to a client because mm -hmm. they're supplying a single product. You want to supply multiple products. You want to supply across the geography space. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have a larger exposure sometimes to particular clients. Mm -hmm. You have to do your risk very diligently over there. What we also realize is that this business cannot be equity funded because then it's not, it's, it has the return on capital metrics don't work. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. You, so you have to diligently and judiciously work with credit. Debt partners. Where you mm -hmm. have to get, you have to eventually ensure that the credit you're giving to a customer or if you're paying early to your supplier, you get banks to support you. Every time if you go to business and say, I need equity for growth, it's not going to be a viable way of growing this business. Mm -hmm. I can't grow from 100 million in revenue to 5 billion in revenues and get equity to fund that growth. Mm -hmm. Right. You have to first of all generate profits. Second, you need financing partners to come and finance those transactions. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's a, it's non-viable completely because and that's how if you look at traditional businesses, that's how they've grown very well because yes. they've got banking finance partners to come and support. And that's why profitability was very, very key from us for day zero. Because the 2016, 2019, when we grew our business without equity, we were, we were growing it by partnering with banks okay. and they, and we could not at that time even afford to become loss making at that time. We had to ensure we were unit economics positive. And that sort of has been a constraint, but also a very good constraint for us as we grow. Because we have to always ensure that we are making enough money to justify lenders to come in and support our business. And today, like we work with almost 20 lenders in India today who support our business, who, who finance our transactions. And I think in terms of B2B marketplaces or in the size of scale that we have, we've actually only raised capital for acquisitions. We've never raised capital for organic growth. Yeah, another very important point. Yes, so we've only raised equity capital and used it to acquire companies. If you look at how much we've raised and what we've acquired, majority of our money has gone into acquisition of companies. The organic growth that we've achieved has actually been funded through debt partners. I think that is very critical if you're beating B2B. Otherwise, you're going to hit a roadblock at growth. Uh, Shavik, maybe one other uh, aspect uh, which yeah. we have not covered is exports. Yeah. Right? How important is... Uh, exports from a margin perspective, diversification, uh, you know, various things, right? So, uh, and is is it bring new challenges and what, what has it been the, your experience with exports? So, when we started in 2009, when 2019, when we for the first check, right, I think we had three, four key understandings, right? One was that we had one risk, which is the industry risk, yeah. which is the cyclicity of the industry. 
uh, we had credit risk because we had working capital in the mm. business and we had to get, you know. And third is we had geography risk because we were only an India-based company, right? I think we solved for the first industry risk by going retail, by going home improvement market beyond the concession market because cyclicity will not hit the home improvement market the way it hits the concession market. Yes. Right? Oh, so, so that was the first. So the B2C was important. Was important for us not only brand building. Yeah. But actually solving for cyclicity risk in oh, the... I didn't realize this. I was only thinking through brand No, no. Lens. So, the idea was to solve cyclicity. Second was, mm. the entire working capital is negative for the B2B2C industry. So, if mm. you're if you're working in B2B industry, you have to give credit to your customers. But if you're working B2C, it's almost cash and carry. Yeah. You collect up front. So, both negate each other and our working capital cycles come down. So, that was mm. second chance. Third is the geographic risk because you're at the end of the day working in India. Specific, in India. I think what happened post-COVID is almost forced into exports, right? We decided that because at that time, India almost India shut down. Yes. And exports, luckily for us, exports were still open in many countries, right? So, we could export products. And we started looking at exports very aggressively in 2020. Today, we are, I think we would, are around 20% of our GMV today would be from exports. So, we are, wow. we are very large. We help Indian manufacturers export almost more than 20, 30 million a month today, we do, of exports. Mm -hmm. For us, it's a de-risking strategy more than just a profit-making strategy. Mm -hmm. How do you ensure that you have enough enough business coming in from? So when all the businesses in India in 2022, specifically this last calendar year, faced input cost pressures yes. because they were importing products into India as their raw material. So if you are a paint company, you're importing, your crude prices went up, subtracted you. We were one of the few companies which could offset it because we had exports. So, we actually were getting products manufactured in India and exporting and there we got a much better, we could offset our input price risk there. Second, today, when all the all majority of companies which are only domestic are struggling with currency risks because dollar has gone up yeah. and their input cost has gone up without that, we again are at a situation where 20 to 30 percent of our business is pure dollar collections and that offsets the currency risk of imports for us. So, I think for us, it's a hedging strategy where exports, while it's important from revenue point of view, it's more important from risk mitigation and sustain and overall as a business model, the sustainability point of view where we have a business model which can take shocks. Yeah. So if crude goes up to 100, a dollar moves up substantially, we are not only bleeding. We have that offset. We can we can keep offsetting. So, so much of financial and currency. Yeah, there is a lot of. Uh, uh, details and how you manage the finances. So, how did you, did you, I mean, who, so he, who does these things? So, I mean, so, so we so have, he, yeah, I obviously come from a finance background, but yeah, yeah. yeah but I was, we also so. have a great team. I think it's very critical. If you are not, if you are a B2B company, finance is a very critical component because think of a B2C company. B2C companies typically don't have a credit play. They have a cash burn and that cash burn is only operational cash burn. Yes. As a B2B company, you may have operational cash burn and then you will have a credit play, right? So, you will have capital going out and credit to the customers and you may be burning money. So, it's a double whammy, right? Sides, yeah. So, you have to have and you can't fund everything by equity. So, you have no. to take one part of that out and ensure that it's a business model which banks can fund. So, that is the only way you can actually grow this out and that is the only way you remain capital. Otherwise, by the time you've built it, as a founder, you will be left with hardly anything in your company because you have diluted so much. Right? Because so the other uh, vector or uh, uh, you know lever in the, yeah. the long run, Shravik, is uh, innovation in materials. Yeah. Right. Yes. Uh, and um, uh, both on both on the 
standpoint of uh, standpoint of green materials yeah and also materials that have better efficacy or uh, better utility yeah. right uh, what's your uh, strategy on in 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 keeping ahead of the curve and maybe you know like the the first phase was about uh, you know aggregating uh, yeah. capacity and get doing is is the next phase of your journey actually helping a lot of these companies get more efficient by helping them use better materials and leapfrog in some of the technologies so i think we've already seen from 2016 when we started we've already seen the journey from natural sand to manufactured sand yeah. so we already we, we are today one of india's we are india's largest manufactured sand supplier today uh, we are also in for example in we have also seen the journey where companies are slowly move, have moved away from bricks to blocks to panels yes. where today we manufacture panels which replace which are not you know which are not not only climate efficient they are also commercially inefficient now and you know and companies are moving away we want today uh, we are working with companies where we want to reduce the usage of traditional materials for example we are working with a geofabrics company today in india where we distribute their products where we say these products can replace geosynthetics can replace cement steel usage to a certain extent geosynthetics yeah geosynthetics, so it's a, it's yes. a huge pay it's and pretty evolved in the us huh? yeah but very early in very india. early in india so we're working with this company there where we want to we want them to distribute we want to distribute the products to the customers and we want to help them gain a larger market share and help use and it has just got approved for many earlier it was only a use in infrastructure it just got approved for railways is oh, getting wow. approved so i think what we what we must appreciate also is the government's initiative to push for these products yes. right you see that also that where they want to push for these products they want to move away from they want to keep an alternative to alternate in uh, in from the i think those are product categories we want to shift towards we want to shift towards newer product categories we want to shift towards in the source synthetics we want to have more panels than breaks mm-hmm. and that will come ev- eventually in everything that we do we have to be we have to be part of that innovation because we if we want to remain relevant in the ecosystem because if you're looking at only traditional building materials then we will obviously also have a lot of there also a lot of incumbents that you have yeah. to work with so it's always for us to find that white space yeah. where a lot of incumbents maybe are not present and if we can sort of graduate towards those product categories that will only give us more sort of uh, you know more right to win in those markets basically it's in your interest and i also i think for larger uh, the, the climate and everything that we are yeah. talking about right. your ability to shape yeah uh, it's amazing yeah. Yeah. also help india and the <laughs> net zero by 2020 yeah i mean i, I was just because we are going to build so much infra in this country yeah. so like there's going to be uh, nothing more important Absolutely. than finding yeah. greener ways of building yeah. in this country and for me that's a okay so uh, final uh, round of insights right uh, this is very joyful prashant through your lens and shavik the doer yeah. if you were to hand pick two three things of a building infra market uh, or what you saw prashant uh, so far uh, as as key lessons for anyone uh, who is a first time founder or mid stage uh, who can learn from infra journey can you both of you hand pick two three things uh, that stand out Sure. Yeah, I'll start with the idea that I think if you're building a B2B marketplace in India, you have to stretch the entire value chain. Mm. I think you cannot build for either supply side or demand side. We started with supply side where we become quasi manufacturers. We then became so there are a lot of B2B marketplaces in India who are young who focus on a particular part of the there are platform which which only do logistics distribution. Yeah. There are platforms who are only building the brand and there are platforms who are only solving for manufacturing. as a b2b marketplace if you really want to make money in the because you are see what you have to realize as a b2b marketplace or b2b platform you are targeting a very large market 
but also you're targeting a market which has incumbents. Yes. And where there are large profit pools and you're going to face competition. Mm. If you don't stitch that entire value chain, if you don't go in supply, go at the very back end and become a quasi-manufacturer, mm. if you don't build in-house capability of logistics and distribution, and eventually don't build that brand, if you don't do that entire value chain, you will never make enough money in this ecosystem. So true. And I think that is one of the key insights that I have had that eventually you have to do all three. Now it's up to you which you want to do first. You start with brand first and say, okay. I want to do B2C first and I will backward integrate into logistics and then backward integrate into manufacturing. We went first with manufacturing, logistics, and now we are trying to build B2C. What decides that sequence for you? I think what decided the sequence for us the was industry, our experience right? and the industry, industry. Yeah. where we felt the supply chain. Yeah. But if you if you say building a brand, building an industry where brand is the most important, then you can start first with brand. But if you're a B2B marketplace, if you don't solve for all three eventually, then you are not going to be relevant in the long run or you're not going to have enough profit pool in the long run to protect you or build that moat. So so that was one big learning actually and which you know I would say all entrepreneurs, there's meaning of, I mean, people keep using and throw around this word full stack, right? But it's it's mm -hmm. really, it's multiple full stacks. <laughs> it's not yeah. one full stack. So That's what I learned, right? <laughs> and you 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 kind of fig figure out how some of these also the interplay between them and the sequencing yeah. that we spoke about these full stacks, right? And with, like we said, which star, which 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 part of the full stack do you start with, mm. the front or the back, and what which is which one is front and back, right? The second uh, big learning, and uh, uh, I would say that very very important to manage both credit risk and debt acquisition capabilities yeah. in parallel, mm. right? And uh, uh, day one in, in these companies, just like you in B2C companies need to crack uh, uh, CAC or <laughs> customer acquisition costs, here you need to really uh, crack, uh, you know, how, how, do you, how do you get high quality customers that are then bankable and will help you raise the right amount of debt without being uh, dependent on uh, uh, equity raising, right? And finally, uh, immersing yourself from a domain perspective, either uh, if you already have it or through a co-founder mm -hmm. or, um, or or in the pace that you build it so that you kind of, uh, uh, you know, um, are embedded uh, in the industry is more important because the industry-specific, uh, sector-specific, uh, nuances in B2B are a lot more than in B2C where it, it's, it's about consumer brand and th those are little little bit generic and, and translatable from one kind of product to another kind of product. But here product to product, sector to sector, I think uh, the immersion and the nuances um, need to be respected a lot more. Wow, amazing. Uh, Shavik Prashant, I think what, what I, my key takeaway here is I smell a lot of uh, enterprise building blocks what they call built to last kind of a theme. Because it's astounding, Prashant, how, uh, what it takes to build a great company. Some of the building blocks are so uh, relevant even today. Your, everything that you said, uh, Shavik and you, about profitability or understanding of the business. I think uh, it's, it's amazing how these are timeless <laughs> building blocks. And, yes. Uh, yeah. Thank great. you. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you, Prashant. Thank you. Thank you, Shavik. Thank you. It was quite enjoyable. Thank you. Thank you.